Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Welcome to another episode of the Ringers Philly Special. Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak. He's still dancing. He's still doing his usual. It's it's May. He doesn't care. You know, he treats every pod like it's a regular season playoff or Super Bowl pod. Am I right? Absolutely. This is this is this is high level okay. podcasting. You gotta be ready at any time. Coach might call you up off the bench. You got another play. He's got another playbook. I'm ready to go. All right. Is that? We're on to Cincinnati, okay? That's how I view every podcast. <laughs> For those of you, you know, sometimes you, your podcast feeds might be a little lighter this time of year. Ben and I did an extra point taken on the Ringer NFL feed, which I went in thinking we're going to have nothing to talk about. And I thought we had some, uh, some what's the word, spirited uh, conversation and discussion. So you can check that out. What are we doing today? I asked for podcast questions on Twitter. Remember, you can get those in by using hashtag Ringer Philly. You can message me on Instagram at Shield Kapadia. You can leave them on reviews. You can email Ben. His email address is in his uh, Twitter pro. You have lots of ways. No excuses to not get your questions in. But we picked out a bunch. We're going to go for about 40, 45 minutes and just run through some of these questions. So let's get started. TK asks, what are logical, statistical reasons behind a Super Bowl hangover and how worried should Eagles fans be? Ben, I did some research on this. Did you do any research on this or no? I read an article. 
Okay, you read an article, so you might know the yes. answer to these questions, but I'll ask you them anyway. I just looked at the last 20 Super Bowl losers. You know, I could have gone back all the way, but what's the point? It's May 9th, last 20, games changed, all that stuff. There's a real you know, data-driven reason why I picked 20. So the last 20 Super Bowl losers, how many of those teams do you think missed the playoffs entirely the next year out of 20? Oh, like three. Eight. That's more 40%. than three. Higher than yeah. I thought. 40% Way of the last 20 Super Bowl losers didn't even make the playoffs the following year. Okay, so now we have 12 that made the playoffs. Now divide that 12 into how many you think lost in the wild card round, divisional round, championship game, Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. So those 12, how do you think they ended their playoff runs? Six lost in the wild card round. Three lost in the divisional round, one lost in the conference round, one lost the Super Bowl, one won the Super Bowl. Six, three, one, one, one. Okay. You're right that one won the Super Bowl. You got that one correct. Patriots, yeah. That's the o- pa- Patriots after yeah, the yeah. Eagles beat them in 2017. I knew I was doing one for winning the Super Bowl. I was positive <laughs> about that. You got that one correct. So that's the only team in the last 20 years that lost the Super Bowl one year and won it the following year. Among the other 11 teams that made the playoffs, again, out of 20, Four of them lost in the championship game. So four out of 20, 20%, not bad. At least made it back to the championship game, the final four the next year. That includes the Bengals, right? The Bengals lost the uh, Super Bowl two years ago. They make it to the championship game last year. Zero made the Super Bowl and lost the Super Bowl. So listen, if you get there, I mean, it's 100%. Just book it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're guaranteed to win it. We have a large sample that suggests that five lost in the divisional round and two lost in the wild card round. So I guess uh, right, wild card round buys probably helping you out there the last twenty years because they're two. It's buys probably true. Yeah. So you gotta dodge that. Yeah. One, but that makes sense. Yeah, I shouldn't put as many numbers in the wild card round as I did. So what do you think of those odds? Like ten of twenty, so fifty percent at least made it to the divisional round. I like sitting here on May 9th, would be shocked if the Eagles were not playing. I shouldn't say shocked. I would be surprised if the Eagles were not playing in the divisional round next year. How do you feel about the whole Super Bowl hangover? Uh, why it happens? Whether there's any, you know, is it bothering you as an Eagles fan? Or are they just going to be the exception and you don't care? Yeah, I think that uh, most Super Bowl losers didn't then go play in a conference as weak as the, the 2023 NFC appears to, right? Which the 2022 yeah. NFC was fairly weak. And the 2023 NFC looks like it'll be about the same. Now... A lot of stuff happens between here and there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's we're, we're talking in May. But in general, like, the reason why I think it feels like, yeah, the Eagles should make the divisional round. Come on. Is that the NFC feels like, yeah, the Eagles should come out of the NFC. They should come out of the East. Like, it's not, it, it doesn't look like staunch competition. I think that's a, that's a fair read. Um, the Super Bowl hangover, I think, is, like, both real and fake, right? Like, I think that there's a fakeness to it in the sense that, you could make a Super Bowl, lose, and then improve at every single position on the roster, retain all of your coaches, and come back the next year and be a way better team and not even make the Super Bowl. Because it's just really hard. I'm always, yes. whenever we get whenever we get to this time of year, where it's the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs, uh, 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 the College World Series is about to start, like, and you see all these different playoff bracket structures. You're reminded about the fact that the NFL playoffs is just a one-off game on a Saturday. Win and go on, lose and go home, right? 
And that aspect of things means that like a Super Bowl hangover is inevitable in the sense that a coin might land tails no matter what you do before you flip it. You know what I'm saying? Like it is just so hard to have sustained playoff success in the NFL. That's why when it happens, we write books about it, man. Like like Patriots, Dynasties, Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like it's like it, it is so clear to us as NFL fans that 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 these people are rarefied people. These groups are rarefied groups. So Eagles made their their, their first like big playoff run under this, you know, Sirianni Hurts nucleus. I would love if they made the conference championship in, in four of the next eight seasons. But you can't really set your watch to that. It doesn't really matter how, how, how good you are unless you are truly like a Mount Rushmore, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. It, it's, it's, it's really, really tough to continue to do that. So there's a degree to which the Super Bowl hangover is fake because it's like, it's just the chaotic nature of football. Then there's a degree to which it's real, which I think the Eagles have some jeopardy of, of enduring in the sense that what are they supposed to get better at? Like it's hard. It, 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 it's absolutely difficult to sit down as a, as a coaching staff. I guess like, you know, you have two new coordinators and that kind of changed things up a little bit. But it's hard to sit down as Nick Sirianni and, and Harry Roseman and go like, oh, well, here's clearly what we need to do differently. You had it. You, you had an, a, a great season. You, the, the way you thought about it working out worked out the way it did in terms of the, the rotation on the defensive line, in terms of the star edition of A.J. Brown, in terms of the running game and the quarterback run. Like everything worked the way you thought it was going to work. And then you got to a one-score game with the Chiefs in the fourth quarter, and, and you lost it. That's, that's the thin margins. And that becomes challenging because then when you turn around next season and you have a little bit more bad luck and that chaos of football gets in place and you lose a, uh, some games, you start looking around being like, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, it, it's, 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 a, it's easier to have, like, lost in the divisional round. Like, like the Packers losing the divisional round every single year. And it's like, okay, it's very clear what the Packers need to do. They need a real defense. Like, we can all figure it out. You can just watch them. Except like the for Niners. Them. Except for them, yeah. Except for them. Right, the Niners, <laughs> you need a real quarterback. You can't be doing this with Jimmy and Brock Purdy every single year, right? Like, for teams that have those issues, it, it, it's apparent, and you, you feel like you can have an engine towards it. You feel like you can have, you can have a drive towards it. For the Eagles, there's, I think, a chance of Super Bowl hangover, just in the sense of, like, right now, this, it, like, Peter King did his, his roster rankings for Bull Morning America. The Eagles were one in a, in a tier by themselves. And the tier was called no problems, not an issue, <laughs> nothing wrong. And that's <laughs> and that's a scary place to be because it means when you start losing games, it's going to be a little bit before you can figure out what's going on and, and how to address it. Because right now, it kind of feels like you don't know where you should be putting those energies and those efforts. So to a degree, there's there's that realness to the hangover. But it's also it's just a chaotic league. And sometimes you miss the playoffs after you lose the Super Bowl. And 40 percent of the time, man, it sucks. Yeah, the point is that it, when you get to the Super Bowl in that season, almost every time the bounces went your way, luck went your way, the randomness went your way. That's that's just the way it works. And if you look at the Eagles, like that was absolutely true. They had they had all every starter was available to them in the Super Bowl. None of them were out uh, for the season with an injury. Uh, Football Outsiders released their adjusted games lost, uh, which looks at you know which teams were luckiest in terms of injuries. They were third. Uh, in adjusted games lost last year, adjusted like, maybe games they'll be really healthy is again. An, is an elite name of a stat. We got to get Bill Barnwell, from- Bill Barnwell, yeah. creator. Yeah, we, uh, I didn't know it was Bill. Barnwell. Of course, it was Bill. Yeah. Adjusted games yeah. lost. It just cuts right to the heart of the point. It's like Beautiful. it's not even just like adjusted record. Adjusted <laughs> games lost. 
Love it. Love it. Uh, I like looking at that every offseason when I'm deciding which teams I'm going to pick I, and how teams actually performed the previous year. I mean, I look at that uh, in the offseason quite a bit. The other thing is they had the easiest schedule in the NFL per DVOA. Now, this year, it's more middle of the pack. It's not like impossible, uh, but the schedule is going to be harder this year. And then, uh, you know, the one score games thing is another one you look at. So all those lock, those factors, like it's just going to be hard to repeat what they had last year. At the same time, I think they're a really good team. And I think they're going to be in the mix. I just said, I think they're going to be there in the divisional round. I think they're most set up for sustained success uh, since really the McNabb Reed years. I just pulled up the uh, pro football reference, or I guess it's Stathead now, page with the Eagles. Since they lost that Super Bowl to the Patriots in the T.O. The Super Bowl in, in 2004, how many times do you think they've made at least a divisional round in back-to-back seasons? In back-to-back seasons, divisional round since 04? Yeah. It, okay, so... The full Super Bowl into the Foles Chicago game was one. Correct. McNabb, they had to have done it again with McNabb, right? That's the only time. No. They've done it it's once. It's the only time. They've yeah, done yeah, it yeah. once. They've done it once to just to the point it's really hard to do. Uh, so factors are in their favor, but think about that. Think of how long ago that Super Bowl was, and they've made back to back divisional rounds once uh, since that time. So. Uh, something that, so it, it is a, you know, it is a real thing just cause it's really hard to get there. All right. JP asks, do you guys think there's a chance Nolan Smith plays some off ball linebacker? I wanted to get your, your thoughts on this. I don't think you've, you've yeah. chimed in on it before. I think generally I'm the one who wants to switch everyone's position and you're the one who says that's dumb. Don't overthink it. Just play the guy at one spot. But this is one yeah. where like he, he hasn't played a game yet. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Everybody is always going to be better if you just change their position. There's no doubt. Um, so the answer is no. I don't think he's going to play any off-ball linebacker. I, I imagine that... Um, th- I remember talk- when we talked about Nolan uh, as a draft prospect, about ma- him maybe ending up on the Eagles, I remember talking about how, okay, there's a little bit of like an issue where how do you get him and Hassan Reddick on the field at the same time just because they're, so, they're both so, so, so light, right? And if you are worried about that and you're worried about having the, your two edge setters be light players, you can mess around with with Nolan as like an off ball Sam, right? You can have him mess around as like a, as a guy who's going to line up in the second level. I don't think the Eagles are too concerned about that to as much as I was. I also think like Nolan Smith was there at 30 and they just took him. It's kind of like, we'll figure that out. Um, yeah. So when Nolan comes to camp, I imagine he's going to learn, uh, uh, you know, weak side defensive end. And he's going to learn the on-ball Sam role, right? On-ball strong side player, right? So um, uh, the Patrick Johnson, right? Josh Sweat sort of uh, of roles. Just Sweat doesn't play it as much anymore. Um, but that sort of role where you're super, super wide, but you're on the strong side, you're outside of the tight end. He's going to learn both those roles. He's going to back up both those roles. He's going to play in preseason on either side. And then the season's going to start. And if you really start to run into issues where like... Nick Morrow and N'Kobe Dean are just losing to size and they can't beat tight ends and, and, and you can't get Smith on the field because Sweat and Reddick are just perfect and Brandon Graham is incredible. Like, maybe, but I don't think it's, it's conducive to his skill set. I don't think it, it's reflective of where they, where they selected him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that he's going to learn Reddick's job, learn Sweat's job, and ride the bench and ride the rotation. Because that's the thing is, the Eagles rotate their defensive line so much that it's not like he's just going to be wasting away there. Like, he's going to get on the field despite being a second-team defensive end, because that's how the Eagles run their defensive ends. 
Uh, and so I don't think so, no. Like, there's a world in which the Eagles have problems that can logically be solved by that, but I think they actually have to get to that world before they start thinking about, oh, what if we put Nolan off ball? And, and I think that that's unlikely to come to pass. I think I agree with that. I don't think that's why they drafted him. I don't think that was a factor when they drafted him. Like, hey, maybe he could do this too. It's it's like you said, if they're just like, holy yeah. cow, we really, we really suck here. And this guy has just been so impressive and he's so smart and he's mm-hmm. got the traits. Uh, let's at least, you know, have him practice there a little bit and figure it out. Then maybe I would, you know, term that as pro- highly unlikely. So yeah, now we'll All right. he's going to do things that linebackers do in the sense yeah, that he's occasionally going to line up right. a, a, like a two yards off the line of scrimmage, kind of halfway between like the tackle and the slot, like you can call it the overhang, right? He's going to line up there sometimes. Um, which like, you saw Reddick and, and Sweat both line up there in Gannon's defense. That's something their edges do. You're going to see him drop, I think, more in coverage than any other edge rusher they have this year. That'd be my guess. Um, so he's going to do stuff like that, but you want him aligning in a position where he might rush the passer because that's the scariest thing about him when he's on the field is his ability to, 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 to rush the edge. That's what you want him to threaten. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll get back to more questions. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. and one because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, we are back on the ringers. Philly special. Before we get to these questions, uh, Cliff, I need you to get in here too. These late night NBA games, like what am I supposed to do here? here? Here's a move I pulled today. Let me know if this is smart, sustainable, 
or stupid. So I watched the first half of Lakers Warriors last night. Great game, but I'm just sitting there and the eyes are closing. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. If I do make it, I'm like miserable. I'm trying to like slap myself in the face just to stay up for this. I'm going to record the game. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to wake up. And before I check my phone, anything else, I'm going to watch the second half. Made some coffee. Kids are up. What are you doing? All right. We're watching this. Okay. They watch a little with me before they go to school. Great. Amazing second half. I was so glad that I I did this. Fantastic game. I mean, you're watching two all-timers here. I don't want to miss those games. And so it worked out today. But is that like a sustainable move? What are my other options? I can't stay up for these late games. I want to, but I cannot at this point in my life. Cliff, what do you got? And then uh, we'll have Solak chime in. My advice is, is, look, man, this is the time of the year where football isn't that big of a factor. Like the best thing we're looking forward to right now is a damn schedule being released. Like today, people are trying to justify look, looking at some dates you know, to see when the Bears play the Packers in Green Bay. Like, this is what people are caring about in the NFL right now. This is the NBA's prime time. You got Steph. You got LeBron. You got KD and Book going off every night. You got Jokic putting 50 50 burgers up. You got Harden doing the 42 and then dropping the 12. And and then you got Harden doing the 45. You got Tatum. You got Horford. You got Jalen Brown. A historic franchise versus another historic franchise. The East, I'm good. The East, I'm good. Basically, it's when a game starts at 10 o'clock or later is where I, nine I can do. I'm good. 10 or later is it where is, I run into. So I'm not, I agree. I hear everything you're saying, Cliff, but you're not giving me a solution. Listen, I want, I'm with you. I want to watch every minute of it. It's it's hard, but this is this is what you're going to have to do, my guy. You're going to have to do the, do the coffee <laughs> thing, right? You're going to have to stay up. Late, a, late afternoon coffee? Late okay, afternoon coffee. Right. Get you, you, the game starts at 10. You got the, it's probably halftime, but around 11, 10-ish, maybe like an hour later, hour and 10 minutes later, the game's over around 12.30, 12.45. You got to hear what Chuck, Chuck, you got to add a little inside the NBA. You got, you got, you have to. Like you have to, so you just gotta just you just yeah. gotta battle through it, man. That's it. All right. So you're just here, saying here, more caffeine, battle through yeah. it, Ben. What do you got? Here are your options. Firstly, accept your washedness and take a nap. <laughs> all right. Every oh, single I, day, no. phone like little phone watch. How long? Off. How long? What do they say? You're only supposed minutes? to do naps like 20, 30 minutes. You get like you pop twenty in a deep minute sleep nap, you pop back okay. out, and that refreshes yep. you. That's what they say. I have yeah. yet to achieve yeah. that in my life. Napping is very oh, difficult yeah. for me. Maybe it'd be better for you. So one, accept yeah. washed nap. <laughs> Two, I've accepted that. Listeners know yeah. that. Yeah. Two, move to the West Coast. You got flee. <laughs> just, 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 just go hide. In I the was time there for zone. two years. It was amazing. Yep. First, two, two different products as well. Daylight. Yep. Two yep. different products as well. Melatonin. Yeah, so, and coffee. That's it. <laughs> That's what you should. Those are two products worst, you need right man. there. Yeah. <laughs> Here, but I'll tell you. Here's your primary issue, Shield. Here's what would solve your whole problem. Okay. You don't. You you need to be live tweeting these games. That's that's your issue. Is if you're just watching the game, right? <laughs> like like okay, when you're watching first half of Lakers Warriors, who are you texting? I'm throwing a little lettuce on it. You know, I'm rooting for a side. Okay. I'm rooting for a total. I'm watching greatness. It's a great experience. Right, 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 that's right, not okay. my issue. No, no, no. You're throwing lettuce on it. Great. You're watching greatness. Great. Who are you texting? Who are you? Are you tweeting? Are you DMing? Who are you talking to? I mean, I have friend threads, but they're watched like me. So they generally slows down during the West Coast games. They, right. So this is the problem. 
You got to get in a DM with a bunch no, of degenerates. No, this is the who worst want nothing I've more than to type Draymond LMFAO. No. When he throws the ball away on the final no. possession. That's what keeps no. you up is that need to have immediate reactions. Like I'm usually playing video games with my buddies during the late night games <laughs> and I'm on Discord with them. So we're voice chatting. So we'll be playing a video game, watching NBA, screaming towards to one another. And that's what you that's what I can't miss. Like, I don't mind missing the second half of the game. If I'm not talking to anybody, but it's a live reaction to what's going on that you need. And so that's that, yeah. that's, that that's 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 what will keep you up. I totally that's agree. the best illustration anyone could have of how different our lives are. Is, the, is <laughs> you got to be live said. tweeting, Shield. Exactly. No. I totally All agree. Right. And then, okay. like the next two years or so, you can have AI do your job in the morning time anyway, so you'll be fine, right? All right. Absolutely. All right, I'm gonna. I like. I. All right, I think the most useful information here was maybe I can squeeze in like. A, like I remember my dad used to get in like a 20 minute nap at like 6:30. You know, like before yeah. nights. Maybe something yeah. like that could work for me. And then maybe I'll just have to up the caffeine. All right. Thank you. I didn't mean to hijack the podcast. Clef, I, Clef, by the way, I've complained about this on a podcast for since I started doing podcasts. So those who have listened for a while, sorry you're hearing this for like the fifth straight year. All right. Me and Cliff tonight during Sixers game five, we'll, we'll, yes. we'll keep the group chat active. Yeah. And if you yes. stop responding. Sixers, I'm good. Sixers, I'm good. Suns, Nuggets. That's where I'm going to have an issue. All right. <laughs> we got All right next question. All right, thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Matt asks, favorite training camp battle? I assume it's safety, given the turnover there, but I'd love to hear a discussion on it. All right, I've got two main ones and maybe a third. The first one is obviously safety. We've talked about that. Reed Blankenship, Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown, uh, which two are going to be the starters? Kayvon Wallace, say his name. Your boy, you love, uh, Bo was not, I don't know if you listened to the Bo pod. He begged you to stop including Kayvon Wallace in the safety, Kayvon, in the safety competition. Uh, the other one, right guard, Cam Jurgens, mm -hmm. Tyler Steen, does Jack Driscoll get in there? It's not the most exciting camp battles, I would say, but those are probably the two main ones. And then the third one, it's not a real competition, but like at running back, somebody is going to play the most snaps, like. Penny, Swift, Gainwell, Scott. Yeah, I don't know that you're going to be able to tell much from training camp there. They probably already know what they want to do and have to see who's healthy. But those are the ones uh, I kind of wrote down as, as things to watch yeah. during camp. I think right guard, right guard's the most interesting one to me because that's like an impactful starting spot. Not to say safety isn't, but safety is like, all right, some of these guys got to play. Jurgens and Steen is like somebody who the Eagles spent a top 70 pick on in the last two drafts is going to be on the bench. And for Jurgens, there's a chance that he's on the bench again. Uh, and so that's like, to me, that's a pretty high stakes one in terms of figuring out who wins that job. The other one that's interesting to me is wide receiver three, uh, which, you know, mm. every time I'm forced to bring up Quez Watkins gives me another freedom to bring up Kayvon Wallace at a later time. That's the exchange rate right there. <laughs> one Quez Watkins, one Kayvon Wallace. Um, but the wide receiver three spot, the Eagles kind of quietly before um, the uh, before the draft added Alameda Zacchaeus on the free agent market. He came from Atlanta. Uh, Alamede was a field stretcher and a, and a special teamer. He is he is a very clear. All right, Quez, <laughs> let's you know like there are other options. Like he he fills a very very similar role. Different body types fills a very similar role. Uh, and I always liked Zacchaeus at, at, with the Falcons. I thought he was he was a fine little player. Like a, the him the Khalif Raymonds of the world like this is a handy guy to have wow, around he had like he had 500 at 533 receiving yards last yeah. year 
I didn't I mean, realize they, it was that much. Because it was, I mean, because it was him and Drake London. That was the, right. And, and Kyle Pitts, right? Those are the only receivers that they had on the field there for Atlanta. Um, so Zacchaeus, yeah, Zacchaeus is a fine player. Like he's, I, again, like he's not like a new moving wide receiver three, but in my opinion, he's better than, than Quez. And I think that that wide receiver three position continues to be an important one just in the sense of like, you know, again, like we talk, just talked about the NBA playoffs. When you can get 15 fourth quarter points from Lonnie Walker, it's huge for your team in like these these really close games. Like the, these guys on the margins really start to matter late. Think about the Quez drop that the Eagles had against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Like it, it'd be nice to shore up that spot. So wide receiver three is something I'm, I'm paying attention to because to me, when they added Zacchaeus, that was very clear like, okay, this guy could be Quez for us if Quez is not going to take a step forward. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. All right. This is, I think this is the best question in the mailbag. Dave asks, Dave. say you're Jeffrey Lurie and an owner from a dysfunctional AFC team like Cal McNair or Mark Davis calls you up and says, Jeffrey, I'm tired of losing. I'm willing to part with draft assets for Howie Roseman. What price, if any, are you accepting? for the offer. I want to hear your answer first before I give my answer here. By the way, I just we need more GM trades, coach trades. Like this is just a yeah. a How low many GM trades fruit, have a sleeping giant. I don't know. Have there been any? I know there's been I don't think trades. So. I can't remember a GM trade. All right. So here you go. This could be the first. Ben Ben's furiously uh, googling GM trades. My answer is no. There's nothing I'm moving for. Mm. Um Nothing you what? Nothing you would trade okay. Howie Roseman for? There's 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 nothing like legitimate. There's nothing like real. Like I, if they call me and they go, you'll have all of our next two drafts. Then like maybe three first round picks. You're saying no? Yeah, no. Rosen Rosen Roseman made a a future first out of just moving around with the Saints. With the two first round picks he had in last year's draft, first round pick I can get, I can get, I get, I get you a first round pick for cheap on the black market. I get you a first round pick seventy five percent. Like I'm just saying, like first round picks get moved. I no, 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 not moving Rosen for three first. Um, there, there's, there's a replacement cost thing that like maybe makes it interesting. Where moving on from Roseman sounds scary because I was like, all right, you hire a new GM. Well, if like. Alec Hallaby has just been like, it's just mini Roseman, right? And you're like positive that he's going to take the same arc and he's the guy and Roseman's been grooming him for forever. And you feel like, all right, we move, we send Roseman for three first round picks. We put Hallaby a GM. Hallaby takes a few years to get a sea legs under him. And then we just have mini Roseman 2.0. Then like, maybe you could talk me into it. But again, that's incurring a lot of risk that I don't think you need to take. Roseman represents uh, a, a, uh, like, uh, it's a, it's a non-expiring edge. I don't want to, that's not the right way to say it because like people can catch up to Roseman. But, but um, the, the thing about having Roseman in place is that uh, you expect yourself to continue to, in every single transaction, in every single opportunity up against the Cal McNairs and, and the Davises and up against every other franchise, you expect yourself to continue to have a small edge because your general manager is better than theirs. And that edge continues to multiply over time with every transaction that's made and every trade that Roseman goes through and every draft that he goes through, so on and so forth. Picks are finite. I make them and then if I miss, I'm done. Like, I, 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 I don't have, there's not as long of a horizon on the value that, that's given by Roseman. I don't think it's a, a good long-term move 
to introduce instability into general manager, which is historically like really, really difficult to find stability in. If this was coach, it'd be a separate conversation. Like a coach of Roseman's caliber, I think is a, is, is a much more realistic conversation. GM, go back and look at like GMs that are long tenured. There's four of them. It's really hard to do. So I'm keeping Roseman. All right, I'm 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 deciding how I'm going to frame this. For, let me. Howie Roseman is doing an excellent job right now. I, I've said it the last one to two years. I would say have been his, the best stretch of his career. The roster is loaded. He hit on Jalen Hurts. He's doing a fantastic job. My unpopular theory is that the majority of GMs are pretty much in the same bucket. You know, I want someone who understands the big picture stuff. Invest in the offensive line, uh, the the lines of scrimmage, quarterback. Don't use two first round picks on a running back and an off ball linebacker. Don't trade up uh, for Will Anderson. Don't do those kinds of things. Create a positive culture where coaches, scouts, analytics, everybody works together and feels voices are being heard. I think, like, I'm not fully on board with this. Hey, Howie Roseman is like lapping the rest of the field because I think a lot of the things you mention are related to ownership. I mean, the stability alone at GM is is an ownership decision. Like it wasn't, you know, until like recently, Howie Roseman in kind of before then, obviously was not lighting the world on fire. He was not viewed as like the best GM in the NFL, where how could you think about replacing this guy? The the general organizational philosophy is also like hand in hand with what the owner wants. So the replacement thing you mentioned, I think there's like a pretty good chance that I would be able to find somebody who could who has the same values who understands the market now there's stuff Howie Roseman does great like he knows when players are available like AJ, AJ Brown he's maintained those relationships with GMs it sound it seems like from the outside he has great relationships with agents like he doesn't you know there aren't feuds where hey you got to get rid uh, of this guy the Chauncey Gardner Johnson thing was weird but that's like such a minor thing so he has like he he's built those relationships for years uh around the league but man, for three first round picks, I, I understand what you're saying. You might you might miss on those, but with the way the roster is and my quarterback here, and if I feel like I can replace him pretty okay. well, I'm doing that. Two first round picks. I'm at least having a meeting and talking about whether it's worth it or not. I think you're you're right. Just for the shakeup and the lack of stability, that's probably not going to be worth it in my estimation. But there absolutely is a co- at a, a cost where I don't know exactly what it is. Those are some of them where I would absolutely say yes, we're doing this. Right. Okay. Thank you. Like I don't I don't view him as sort of uh, irreplaceable. The last thing I'll say real quick is like. If you look at since he's returned to power uh, since 2016, they've had a great run at the same time. Like their winning percentage over that stretch is 575. That ranks 12th league wide. So again, very good job. He's on a heater right now. Last two years have been fantastic. If we sort of zoom out, like I don't know compared to who I'm replacing him with, if I'm losing this, this huge thing that I can't replace with three first round picks. Right. So I would like to change my answer now that I've reread the question because. Okay. The question is, say you're Jeffrey Lurie, which means I'm the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, now I'm more confident that I can hire somebody to replace Howie Roseman and give me 90% of Howie Roseman. Which you can is just not hire like yourself. A yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. That's not that's not, that's, <laughs> that's just that's that's like, you know, that's just like bias of 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 me being like, oh well, I would get it, somebody else wouldn't. I think right, yeah. like I was thinking about it in a vacuum in the sense of like, I'm not sure that they'd be able to 
continue running the team the same way. I think that like, right. That's, that's what it really hooks on is like, you trade. They've Rosen. got two assistant GMs right now. Uh, yeah. You know, they hire like Andrew, Jeffrey Lurie already at the owners meetings was saying Andrew Barry's brother is going to be a future GM in the right. NFL. He hasn't, like, hasn't, hasn't done anything, yet. Done anything in the NFL. Right. Yet. Which so, is, like, he obviously is, has people that he likes, but that right. was funny. But that's yeah. saying the quiet part out loud, which is, which was your first comment, which is like, it's really about ownership. Like ownership chooses who the GMs are. Right. They, they get to pick who they want to be the guys who run teams. Like, like Andrew Barry was forever christened as like future gm right young star rise or whatever got the browns job guess which team has not been very well general managed recently and cleveland browns right and that's that's why i'm really reticent to move on from roseman for all all my jokes aside about if i'm jeffrey Lurie, yeah i'll do it because i know i can go get a guy it's very 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 hard to accurately predict who's going to be better at this over the long term who's going to be good at this over, over long stretches um because you're right to say that Roseman is on a, a heater. And you're also right to say that if you widen the scope out three to five years, or a lot of people, myself included, frustrated with Roseman. If you widen it out to 13, 15 years, I think overall Roseman's at a net positive and he's at his best. And that's like the, the, uh, the value of investing in an asset like this. Would I, as the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, be able to sit there and let Alec Hallaby learn stuff for 10 plus years? Like... I don't know if I'd be able to stomach that. If I could swallow that, I don't know if most NFL owners would. So oftentimes, like, the guys who are just the dudes who've been ordained as the future general managers get hired. There's another great example, in my opinion, with the New York Jets and Joe Douglas, who was always like, Joe Douglas, he's going to be the guy. And, like, Douglas has got some nice talent in the building. But again, like, I don't think the Jets have, like, been on a coherent plan in terms of their right. their team building and, 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 and how they've managed the roster. And so it's just, I, I think that it's... I think the presentation of good GM candidates is a lot wider and a lot easier than it actually is. I think it's actually really, really hard to figure out who's going to be the guy and do it well and do it for a long, do it well over, over long term, over long stretches. Uh, and that would make me really, really hesitant to move on from a guy when I could just leave Roseman in the building and have him do work with the picks I already have and continue to produce good draft capital for me, continue to produce high, high value bets for me. Like, this, the no, let's not fix what ain't broke. Let's keep this thing chugging. Yeah, it's interesting because they get praised for the stuff that like the people we follow on Twitter find valuable. You know what I mean? So like in your head, you're like, a lot of this seems sort of obvious. I know there's much more to it inside the building uh, than that, but just the decisions they make that are universally praised, like they're universally praised because objective people on the outside look at them and go, yeah, that's actually uh, what you should have done there. Now, in Lurie's case, I don't think he would do this because I think what Lurie values in a GM is a GM who will include him and involve him as part of the process and have yeah. his voice <laughs> He chose. He so chose Howie not over sure Doug. That. He's not saying uh, Howie anywhere. Yeah, all right. Uh, good, good, uh, good question. I'm curious to hear what the, what the listeners think about that one. Uh, angry bodyguard asked, what are reasonable expectations for Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith this season? So let's say we get to the end of the year and Jalen Carter did X and Nolan Smith did Y. What would the X and Y have to be for you to say, all right, those were good, uh, rookie seasons for those two first round picks uh smith because we talked about him a little bit earlier i think smith is like a 35 to 40 percent of the snaps guy i think that he's probably like on that That might be high i think let me get let me give you a couple numbers i was looking up so last year and it's different this year but uh if you look at the players behind reddick sweat and graham 
they combined for uh, well, maybe, all right, you're, you're a little high, but not that high. They combined for 190 yeah. pass rush, pass rushing snaps for about so maybe like 12 to 15 uh, pass rushing snaps per game. You throw in some uh, run plays in there, so that's what you're looking at with Smith. Probably if everyone's healthy now, everyone's probably not going to be healthy for the whole season. And if just one of those guys is out for six to eight weeks, then all of a sudden his role increases uh, quite a bit there. Sorry, just uh, go go ahead. No, 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 no. Because I was I was also looking at like percentage of snap numbers of some of the recent like late first early second round picks and it's not actually like i think super helpful to look at just because most of those guys are being selected because the team needs them to start right like two pick or one pick after the Eagles took nolan smith the chiefs took took felix and aduke uzoma edge out of kansas state and you look at the roster and you go oh yeah he's gonna start and you look at the eagles roster yeah. and you go nolan might be the fourth player on the field at the position right so just it's such a difference but I do think that because he was a first round pick, I think there's a good chance that they're going to prioritize getting him on the field a little bit, right? Uh, Want to get him some opportunities. I think that you probably bring BG snaps down a little bit and you just tell him like, yeah, we're keeping you for the playoffs. Like, you're just going to be a ringer for us, pun intended, uh, when, when, when we get to January football. So whatever. Um, Jay, uh, so yeah, so I think it's like it's a rotational role, few sacks, pressures, whatever. Carter is more, I'm more interested to see kind of what the snap distribution looks like and, and, and whatever. I think that a good season for him is turning out like 60 to 65% of the snaps and six sacks. I don't think that's super reasonable. It'd sure be nice. I think, I don't want to get ahead to a future question we're going to get, but I think they're going to add another body on the defensive line at defensive tackle. And I think that they're going to slow roll Carter on if they can. It's kind of, what they did with Davis last year, even before uh, he got hurt and they brought in Limbaugh and, and Sue. Uh, and so to me, I think it's more likely he's playing like about 50% of the snaps. I still expect him to have at least five sacks on half of the rotations from the defensive tackle spot, which like five sounds small. It's not, or five sounds small. It's not that small for defensive tackle. It's actually really hard to get that many sacks from the interior, but Carter's unbelievable in that regard. That's the thing about him that's so special. Uh, so I think like, yeah, fit more 50%, five, five sacks, I think is reasonable expectation for Carter. And it's not small when you look at rookie production. Generally, I was looking last yeah. 10 years, there have been 74 defensive players taken in the first round who have had at least 100 pass rushing snaps. What do you think their average sack production? So these are all Say, first round picks. First round picks, last 10 years, they've had at least 100 pass rushing snaps. So I weeded out the guys who didn't even get on the field or were injured uh, there. So these are guys who actually at least played uh, 74 of them. What do you think their average sack production as rookies was? Gotta be like like four, like three, four, four, four and a half. Four point one, four point yeah. one. So now that's again, that's a little higher than you you know overall average because some guys didn't play at all uh, as as uh, rookies there. But yeah, that's what you're looking at. So yeah, I think for Jalen Carter, um, aside from the sacks, you want Philly special on the Thursday show when we're reviewing the film to be like, holy cow, did you see those five plays? with Jalen Carter last week. Man, this guy is impressive. You want that? You want coaches and teammates saying, I don't know what all that pre-draft stuff was about. This guy works hard at practice and he's a, you know, a joy to be around. And all like those are the things you want to hear because this is a long-term bet. You want him to help you right away for sure. You want him to flash right away, but you want to hear those things because 
high variance player. Again, this is someone who could be an all pro. This is someone who could be out of the league before his rookie contracts even over. You're, you're not sure. There were uh, obvious questions and why people passed on him. Smith is harder because I think Smith, if uh, the other guys are healthy, the numbers aren't going to be really jaw dropping. Um, but I think there's a you know there's a decent chance that he's yeah. going to see an increased role in stretches because one of those guys. Smith gets one TFL on a third and goal, and I'm going to be like, yeah, I told you. He's going to be good. (laughs) Week five, they're up 17 (laughs) against the Cardinals. He gets it. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be good, as I said. All right, let's do a few more here. Joe asks, over under eight and a half games until we see all of the defensive Georgia Bulldogs on the field for one snap together. That would be, I assume, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, N'Kobe Dean, Keely Ringo. I can start on this one. I'm taking the over. I'm just not sure that like Keely Ringo is even going to yeah. be the fourth corner on this team. Like I don't like if Bradbury or Slay goes down, I'm not sure they're going to be like, all right, Ringo's ready to play over say a Zach McPherson or even a Grady Williams. Like there's a chance he impresses them, but that just to me, since how young he is uh, and kind of, you know, the stuff he needs to work on feels much more like a long-term uh, bet. So, you know, if he were to even, grab that fourth quarterback role like at the end of training camp they're like this is the guy that's going to be a great sign for his development i'm just he's the guy i looked at that and go oh, i'm not sure that's going to happen yeah it's it's not over under eight and a half week week eight and a half for we see all the georgia bulldogs on the field together it's over under eight and a half when keely ringo takes a snap because like nicobe and nolan and those guys are going to be out there like a decent amount you're going to get a snap with all four of those guys in the field by week two like the defense alignment so it's not like Keeley is the, is the, is the hang up and he's a fourth round rookie. You just do, you can't, you can't right. bet on him being out there unless they're accruing injuries. I think it's over for sure. Um, but you're going to get a, we're, I'm already looking forward to the screenshot of the Eagles, like front six lined up and four of the six of them are the Georgia rookies of the last two years. That like, yeah, that's going to happen fairly quickly. I would imagine. And that's going to be sick. There you go. Uh, Lincoln asks, who is the most realistic player you see the Eagles adding before August? He says, got to be a linebacker, right? I don't know if this is this the question you were alluding to uh, earlier or was it a different one? Yeah, this is the one I was alluding to earlier because I do think there's a good shot. The Eagles add a defensive tackle, interior defensive line. Really? Right? Why? Yeah. Well, because last year they had Jordan Davis, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Milton Williams. And at the first sign of injury, right, Jordan Davis, they got Linville in the building and they got Dominican Sue in the building, right? Which like, Sue was like kind of even redundant, you know, or not redundant. He like wasn't filling the Jordan Davis role right now. They're Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams. They have the exact same room just with a rookie instead of Javon Hargrave, who was unbelievable. No love for your boy. Mori Ojimo. Is that his name? Moro Ojimo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moro He can't be a fifth defensive tackle. Yeah, but he's a seventh round pick. Uh, when you go and you look at like current free agents who are still available, right. And you get like Sheldon Richardson, right. Uh, Sue and, and Linval are also still available. They haven't been signed anywhere. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they make an, an addition there. Um, the, then yeah, linebacker, I think is, is, is a good spot. There's not as many good names. There's miles Jack, which like fun, I guess, but Jack's been a bunch of different places now. And I don't think that's a, that's a mistake at this point uh damian wilson who's last with the panthers is fine let me give you some trade how about some trade let me give you some trade targets here by the way i disagree i think defensive tackle if someone gets injured 
Yes. Or if they feel like they need it during the season, you call someone up. Uh, before then, I would be surprised if they made a big splash. But, you know, just they have a lot of. I don't think they feed them, but, but I could I be wrong. Like, yeah. They love but the even rotation. one of those veterans. That yeah. would surprise me. But we'll see. All right. These guys. I know how you feel about one of these guys, which is Kenneth Murray, who I don't think you're a Kenneth Murray fan, correct? On the Chargers? No, I like good I players. I like good players. That's why for me, <laughs> Kenneth Murray, not so much. Uh, all right. So Kenneth Murray, uh, they did not exercise his fifth-year option. I like looking at those guys. Who's in the last year of their contract? Uh, Patrick, Patrick Queen. How do, you, how do you feel about a Patrick Queen? He got a lot better once Roquan was next to him. There ain't no Roquan in Philadelphia. talking about that. He had like a 20-tackle game, didn't he, after they got Roquan Smith or something? He had that one he got, monster he got game. Moved from, he got moved from Mike to Willie, right? And they just point and shoot at him, right? They blitz him. They'd leave one-on-one with the back. They just simplified everything for him. Uh, and he was able yeah. to play fast and play physical. If, if, if N'Kobe's that guy, right? If N'Kobe's running out and just running the defense in year two, just, just managing everything. If he's Roquan, then yeah, maybe. But like I... I you. Patrick Queen is at his best when there's not a lot on his plate. And I don't know if that would be the case for him in the decide defense in Philadelphia next to Nick Morrow and Kobe Dean. So I wouldn't mind it, but I'd, but I'd definitely be, you know, watching it closely. Yeah, I would say if that's like a sort of, if that's a day three pick, you know, and they're just looking to get rid of him, which I don't know why they would give him away yeah, for that. They have a good setup that, right Then now. yes. Yeah, but if that's like a day two pick, uh, no, I'm not sold enough to, he's in the last year of his contract. Uh, I would not view him as a, enough of a sure thing where I would make that move. And then this last guy, I have no idea how you feel about him, actually. Isaiah Simmons. I, I, I mean, I feel the exact same way I felt about Isaiah Simmons coming out of Clemson because I've refused to acknowledge anything that the Cardinals have done <laughs> and his many, many failures with them. He's very interesting. So did he's you very like exciting. him then as a prospect? Yes, but he's, he's, he's difficult to get on the field. Um, and what I mean by that is you have to play Isaiah Simmons in a role made for Isaiah Simmons, which means everybody else on the defense has to now kind of fit around this tentpole player who, like, can't actually line up at safety, but has to be the guy covering tight ends, but can't end up covering the slot, and he needs to be blitzed. And, like, like yeah. he, he's a, I think he's a useful player, but if there was a defense that was going to make sense for him, it was going to be a Vance Joseph defense. And it just never happened. Uh, and otherwise, in Philadelphia, like, you just have to start bending the defense is going to fit around this guy. Would not mind a flyer on him at all because they don't make 6'4", 235, 4'4", 40s. You don't find those everywhere. So I don't mind kicking the tires. Uh, you, can't put, you can't put too many eggs in that basket in terms of him like providing linebacker depth. I don't think he's, he's that sort of an acquisition. I agree, yes. If it's low cost and you find him interesting and you liked him during the pre-draft process, fine. But I'm the hybrid... The versatile label, those things always scare me because I'm like, all right, well, where can yeah. I line this guy up and he's going to give me above average play? And I feel like those you, uh, questions uh, never get answered with those types of prospects. No Jordan Brooks mentioned. Seattle declined fifth-year option. I mean, coming off, uh, I, I don't think they're going to trade. I would be surprised if they're going to trade him. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I'd be surprised if they trade him. Unless they're getting something. More yeah, I'd be and he's better, they yeah, trade him be as better well, against but. the run coming off an injury. Here are the two. I had a couple safeties written down. The guy I brought up uh, on the, with the Birds with Friends guys, but a Jeremy Chin. 
He's in the final year of his contract. That was the one. That's probably the guy who interests me the most of any of these guys, honestly, where I would say that's someone who you could, if you like him, if you have a role for him, he could solve some problems and he could stick with you long term. I know they liked him a lot during the uh, pre-draft process. I know that for a fact. So that that's one where I'm kind of keeping my eye on, depending on whether Carolina wants mm-hmm. to keep him or not. Where were you on a Jer- Jeremy Chen? Jeremy Chen to the Eagles? Yeah. Where's the Super Bowl this year? Where are we going? <laughs> Las Vegas? I'm Vegas, booking Vegas tickets. Vegas, yeah. Vegas okay. tickets. All right. Love Jeremy Chin. Excellent yeah. player. If the Panthers trade Jeremy Chin, they are outside of their minds. However, yeah. how he's gonna like send a fifth and a future fourth for him and get it. I'm gonna lose I'm gonna lose it. Chin is excellent. He'd be perfect for them. Finally a player who can play off the roof. Ah! Yeah. Be fun. Last guy I wrote down, because he's in the last year of his contract. Antoine Winfield Jr. I don't know what the Bucks' plans are. He's a young player. You would think they would mm-hmm. want to hang on to him. But I thought, you know what? If they're thinking, hey, we're going to blow it up anyway and get some draft picks and we can't come to terms on an extension, he could be sort of the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I haven't, to be clear, I haven't seen any buzz that they're trading him. I was just looking at guys in the last year of their contract in positions of need for the Eagles. And he was another one uh, I kind of wrote down. So there yeah. you go. Winfield's, Winfield's a good slot. I think that you you run into... Avante Maddox redundancy issues. He'd still be a good player, but Jeremy Chan would be the dream. Um, Darnell Savage out of uh, the Packers is another one that I could see the Packers being pretty bad oh, this year. good one. And then moving on from him. They just restructured his deal, though, for the whole Jordan Love thing, and I don't know what that makes it financially. But Savage is one where, like, they benched him at one point this past season and they like, put him back in a starting job. Like, he's been a little bit, a little bit wonky. Um, but I would not be surprised at all if we're you and I are hopping on extra point taking trade deadline. We're talking about the three and five Packers moving on from Savage, and he'd be fun for the Eagles, right? Play the slot opposite. The good Maddox. one. Okay, last one. Nova Philly asks, Shield, don't you own a house? How do you not know what an escrow is? So this is a uh, thank you, Nova Philly, for listening to Extra Point Taken, where Ben was talking about uh, escrow in terms of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I didn't say I don't know what escrow is now. I said when I was Ben's age, I definitely did not know what uh, what escrow was. Now, I will say this. Uh, in the house buying process, I was confused by just about everything. I mean, I had no idea really what was going on there. I just smiled and nodded and pretended yeah. uh, I, you know, I knew what they were talking about. And then I thought, you know what? I do that very often. I do that with almost everything. Everything. In my You're life. on this podcast right now. No, no. This is the one where I'm like, all right, I feel like I actually can't. T- here, here are the things I wrote down. When, when people, these people are talking to me, I have no idea anything they're saying. And I just pretend I do. And I give them the benefit of the doubt. Car mechanics. I mean, come on. You think I have any yeah. idea what's going on with the, with the fib, fib, what's it called? I don't even know what I was going to say. No, You're going to say defibrillator? Because that's, right? that's a medical yeah. tool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I also wrote on this doctors and dentists. Medical I mean, professionals. Just, medical professionals yeah. the first thing I wrote down when you started listing <laughs> things. I was like, yep, always. <laughs> medical professionals, no idea. Mechanics, uh, no idea. Here's a good one. HVAC. I mean, have you had anyone talk? You're you're in the house now. Has anyone talked to you about like an air condition or a furnace? I mean, those that might be number one. I have zero idea what's going on with those guys. And guys. when when the house inspector walked us through the house after we bought it, which by the way, Nova Philly, I also <laughs> bought a house. So let's shout that out next time. House owner. Ben no, no, Homer, he, he Homer, was, Homer no, no, he was ripping. Me, he he was ripping me for not knowing what escrow is. 
It wasn't just yeah. like a house owner shout want, out. I just yeah. wanted to drop a house owning brag there. I just <laughs> want to sneak that in. But when the inspector was walking us through, this guy was like, if you were to draw a house inspector in your mind, you would draw this dude just like polo tucked into the jeans, massive work belt, <laughs> clipboard, the glasses, just like so excited about the siding. And he wanted to show me everything. And he was walking around the house being like, obviously, you can tell that the mortar on that chimney is not good from here. And I was like, what? is mortar like i like I, what are we talking about I'm with you. you think i've been looking at chimneys you gotta he's like you got i you have you have eyebrow vents on your roof that's nice and i was like yeah i i was excited about that when i bought the house dude i don't know what are we talking about oh my goodness overwhelming um the carburetor i meant carburetor that's carburetor a that's what you're thinking of the number one thing for me is whenever right, I have one more let's see if it's the same my, thing yeah, uh, is whenever someone in my local area starts talking about like the news or politics of this area, and and I'm always just like, <laughs> yeah, no, I remember when that imported family made that donation to that building <laughs> as part of that campaign. <laughs> Nothing. I'm nowhere on this. My last one is like IRAs and 401ks, like any of that stuff. Listen, I'm uh, I'm all right on that stuff. Uh, I'm hoping I'll be okay, but I don't really know what's going on uh, there. Like, when do I wait? When do I see this money? It just goes straight from the paycheck. Is it going to be yeah. there? All right, all that stuff. So anyway, uh, so yes, escrow falls into that category. You're just spending, you know, all this money, and you really have no idea what's going on when you go into the house. All right, those are all situations where I just need someone to tell me what to do because I don't understand what's happening. If listen, listener, if you've got something that I missed there. Uh, that you've got in your life. I would love to uh, yeah, hear about it. Can read it out on the next show. All right. I think we're probably going to do another mailbag next week. Maybe one more uh, off-season mailbag here, and then we'll figure it out after that. So get those questions in. Hashtag Ringer Philly. Uh, oh, are we doing a schedule? We're, we're probably doing a schedule thing Thursday. We'll see if the schedule's yeah. happening. I mean, we'll figure it out. Where el- uh-huh. How else will you know to f- how to feel about the Eagles playing the Cowboys in November? Unless you tune in to yeah. Ringer's Philly special. We got to do the win-loss. Yeah, we got to do yeah. the initial win-losses. So we'll uh, do that. All right, Cliff, am I missing anything here? I, I can't believe you already forgot. <laughs> we got to do the schedule release Thursday. We discussed this already. How do you <laughs> <laughs> get that fast? Listen, I told you I'm old. I'm washed. I don't know what's going on. We're doing uh, the schedule Go release take your nap, Thursday. old man. Sun's yeah, nuggets right, tonight. Right. Yes, sir. Last thing, go Sixers. There you go. We'll see what happens in game five. All right. Thank you to Cliff Augustine. Thank you to Ben Solak. Thank you to everyone listening. We'll be back Thursday night, as I said, as I am aware of, fully aware of, and we'll be ready for Thursday night for the schedule release. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.